Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm very excited to be able to bring you part four of We Are the Church. Um, we are wrapping this up this weekend. And um, I want to just do a quick review for those of you that haven't been here over the past number of weeks um, so that you can kind of get on the same page with us. Remember some of the things that we've been talking about over these past few weeks, uh, especially the fact that the church is a supernatural event that occurs whenever two or more people join to enjoy the presence of God together. Remember that Jesus reinforced this truth. It's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Who are two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This is a supernatural event that you're experiencing right now. He promised he would be here with us. Amen? Don't ever take that lightly. Don't ever treat this as a spectator sport. Don't ever treat this as something that you just go to to make yourself feel good for the rest of the week. This is the time that we come together so that Jesus can express himself. Amen? Amen. We are, by nature, a serving organization. There is no church without service to one another and to the lost and to the lost. Amen. This isn't just about us. It's about those who have not yet heard. Don't ever forget that. We, like Jesus, should be saying, I did not come here to be served, but to serve. Why don't you, why don't you say that with me? Repeat that with me. I am here to serve, I am here. not to be served. I didn't get everybody that time. Let's do it again. Ready? One, two, three. I am here to serve, not to be served. All right, good. Last week, we talked about the fact that the church in its purest form fulfills a very basic human need, and that is the need to belong, okay? It's, it's, never underestimate the importance of belonging. In the book of Acts, we see a church that's on fire. It was known for its passion, its devotion, its sacrifice, its commitment, it's love, it's power, it's boldness, right? They prayed together. They hurt together. They sacrificed together. They rejoiced together. The key word there is together. The key word there is together. Got it? All right. So we have the same opportunity today. As the church, you and I can be passionate together. We can be devoted to one another. We can sacrifice for the sake of those who have not yet heard. Now, God sent Jesus to bring us back to himself so that we could experience belonging again. I want you to turn to somebody and I want you to ask them this question. Do you belong or are you going through life together? Go ahead, go ahead. Turn to somebody. Do you belong or are you going through life alone? Say it again. <laughs> Do you belong? Or are you going through life alone? So, now, we're going to deal with this question. Why is it important to become part of a church family? Because the Bible places importance on the church family. It's extremely important. Every Christian, every person that's ever declared their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ 
is assigned to a specific congregation, a specific body of believers, a specific location. They are assigned to a specific pastor. That is the order that God sets up in the church. Are you listening? There's no such thing as Lone Rangers in the Bible. You never see anywhere in the Bible where a person becomes a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they go off on their own. You don't see that. You don't see that. It's not the way it's supposed to be. That is something that's developed as a byproduct of our isolated society. Amen? Amen. It's important for us to belong to a church family because we study God's word together. A church provides consistent Bible teaching. This often comes through teaching from the lead pastor, a youth pastor for the young people, guest ministers that we have come in from time to time, Bible studies, connect groups. It's important for you to take that serious. It's important to the life of this church and to the future of this congregation that every single person take very serious the idea of becoming part of a connect group. You can't connect to one another just five minutes before service, five minutes after service. There's got to be times when you're able to interact together, ask questions of one another, go a little bit deeper in some things. Amen? It's extremely important. The church family is called to grow spiritually together, encouraging one another. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. How is that going to take place? Well, we all grow together when we all meet together. It's that simple. It's important for us to belong to a church family because we honor God together through worship. In this service, we honor God. In the beginning of the service, we honor God with our worship, with our hands raised, lifting our voices unto him. We worship him. It's a, it's an, a unifying factor when believers worship God together through singing, through serving, and through giving. Psalm 34.3 emphasizes a call to corporate worship. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. There's that key word again. You want to say it with me? Nice and loud. Together. Well, well Pastor, I, I do my I worship at home. What do you have, a six-piece band in your living room? Now, am I saying that that's, that doesn't take place? It's a different thing. There's a difference between... The, the, it's a difference between the presence of God that you experience yourself when you're home and a big difference between the, the presence of God you experience in corporate worship is what we experience when we come together. Yeah, I love to worship God on my own. I love to worship in my own very personal way, but it's a different thing. And honestly, for me, I get, for me, I have to depend on that personal time because like you've heard me say before, when we're together in worship, you're singing, you're lifting your hands. I'm wondering, is it too hot in here? Is it too cold in here? Is it too loud? Is it not loud enough? Is so-and-so here tonight? Or does so-and-so here, whatever? Is this family here? So there's distractions. But when you come in, make sure you get here early. Make sure you get here in time for when the first song starts. Are you listening to me? These are things that are important. These are ways that we honor God. Don't ever estimate the time of worship that we have together. And don't ever estimate giving as worship. Well, throughout the Bible, we see people giving generously to God as an expression of gratitude for all that he's done. And financial giving is one of the greatest ways to say thank you. And even more importantly, way more importantly than saying thank you, when you worship God with your finances, you're saying, I trust you. 
And that is one thing that God wants to hear from us. Do you understand? you realize that? Do you ever consider all that God has ever wanted from his people was trust? All he wanted from Adam and Eve is that they would trust him and not listen to the voice of the liar. It's been that way since the beginning. All he wants from you is to know that you trust him. And let me tell you something. We all know the greatest way for you to express trust is to go, here's my wall. Here, here. I trust you. I trust you. Somebody just went, Ugh. Don't get scared. It's part of our worship. Amen? Amen? It's important for God to know that he has our heart. It's important for God to know that we put him, we put him first place in our lives, whether that's in our finances or with our health or with our children or with our marriage, with our business, with our job. He's got to be first. It's important for us to have a church family that we belong to because that's where we find support in the middle of the battle. When trials come, a support system is so crucial. Last week we talked about the fact that Peter and John Acts chapter 3, they find themselves in a, in a terrible situation. As an act of kindness, because of an act of kindness done to a person that was crippled, they're arrested, they're brought before the religious leaders in a trial. And then they're, they're, they're threatened. And the threat came like this, we don't ever want to hear you preach or teach in this man's name again. And Peter with all boldness, says to them, you judge whether we should listen to you or whether we should listen to God. And listen, and that's great. And we said, but you know, you know what caused him to have that kind of boldness? Because he had a sense of belonging. He knew there was a group of people that were backing him up. He knew there was a group of individuals, and we see it in Acts chapter 4. And it tells us that when he was let go, where did he go? To his own companions. We covered this extensively last week. It is extremely important for you to not just go to church and sit there and spectate, but it's important for you to develop and nurture that network of support that's going to be there for you so that you have your companions to go to when all hell breaks loose in your life. Amen? When we need support, when we need somebody to pray for us, when we need somebody to just listen to us, Allow us to vent. Allow us to just get things off of our chest. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to go to? Are you going to go to somebody who has never experienced Jesus? What are they going to tell you? They're looking for you. They're looking for help from you, and you're looking for help from them. You need to have a network, a support network that you know they got my back. I can call, whether it's 2 o'clock in the morning or no matter what time of the day or night, I can call them. And I know they won't turn their back on me. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, encourage us to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ to uphold you, to assist you even in practical ways, practical needs. Like, say, meals, cleaning, getting somebody to come and help clean your house when you're laid up. We have a team here. Many of you know that. And when people are in the hospital or a woman gives birth to a child, we, we get in touch with them ahead of time, say, we want to set up meals for you. We want to have stuff ready for you. When you come home, you don't have to be concerned about getting out of that bed and go prepare a meal. You need that. Someone to, to help care for your children 
when you're not able to. Guys, we need that support too. We need to know that there's somebody we can go to who's not going to take our stuff and throw it all over the street. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? When I say you need somebody in your life that you can go and you can be honest and you can open and you know they're not going to take your stuff and spread it all over Facebook. We need that. It's important that we have a church family because we get to serve together. There is no greater joy of knowing God allowed you to make a difference in somebody else's life. I don't care what you say. Go to church, you come to church, you come to church, you sit in the service. We're glad you're here. Glad that you enjoy the music. Glad that you enjoy the teaching. But you never really get to know the church that you claim to belong to until you get involved and start serving side by side with your brothers and sisters. That's when you really get to know the people that you're with. Now, now listen to me. Again, I want to specifically bring you to a place in your life. If this has never happened to you, I pity you. You need to experience this. The joy, the overwhelming sense of fulfillment, the overwhelming sense of just purpose when you realize that God used you to touch somebody's life, to change somebody's life, to possibly change the destiny of generations in the future. That is an amazing, amazing feeling. Imagine what it felt like when Jesus let the disciples go out and preach the gospel, heal the sick, bring comfort to the oppressed. You imagine what they must have felt like? See, because there's one thing for them to watch him do it. It's another thing when they got to do it. Imagine the joy that the disciples felt when they got to feed 15,000 people with a little boy's lunch. Could you imagine what that must have felt like? And we had this experience Last week, I had this experience last week of, of watching that first fall fest that we held down at our Bayville campus. Amazing, amazing. I just kept walking around and looking at all our volunteers and just watching everybody smiling and serving one another and serving the people and seeing those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming through all that afternoon. Amazing feeling. Those of you that were there, those of you that partook in that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's an amazing feeling. And then to know that the next day, we got to see so many of them in church. And imagine what it feels like to be a teacher in our new kids' department, our children's church. And a little girl goes home and tells her parents. The parents call up and say, my daughter came home today and told me that she asked Jesus to come into her heart. If you've never been involved to that extent, you don't know what joy it is to know that even though it might have been an inconvenience, that day, to get up and to go and serve. Maybe it was one of those times where you wish you could stay in bed. But then when you hear those kind of reports, you think to yourself, wow, this is all worthwhile. And for those of you that, that haven't served and, and, and haven't been serving, and maybe you're just currently thinking about it, I want you to imagine what that feeling is like when you know that you, a regular human being, was used by God to affect somebody else's life. That is amazing. Imagine what it feels like, and I've seen this so many times, to be a greeter. The very first face that a person sees, and you find out later that it was that warm smile, it was that handshake, it was that kind word that caused that person's heart to kind of drop their guard so that they could receive 
from the Lord, whether it's in worship or whether it's through the teaching of the word, and to know that you were the first one that they saw when they walked through the doors. I want you to say this with me, and I want you to say, I don't want to have to say it five times. I want you to say this with me real loud. I can be that person. Ready? One, two, three. I can be that person. And you can. And I believe many of you will. Amen? The church is a training ground to equip us to carry on Jesus' ministry. Not a center of entertainment. And you say, Pastor, you've been on this a lot lately. Yeah, I know, because there's a, there's a culture that needs to be undone in the church. We don't come together to be entertained. If you do, you're being sadly disappointed because I don't prepare myself to entertain. The worship team doesn't prepare to entertain. Everything we do here is not to entertain, to make you feel welcome, but not to entertain. If you leave here only entertained and not challenged, we did something wrong. Because the word of God is supposed to, is a mirror. It's supposed to point out the areas where we need to tweak. It might be an area we need major change. But if you're just coming to church and leaving feeling good, just feeling good. I know we want to feel good. Yeah, we feel good because we're, we're experiencing God's presence together. You're seeing your brothers and sisters, maybe you haven't seen for a couple of weeks. You're getting to enjoy each other's company. Maybe you're getting caught up on some things. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But understand this. This is the training ground. This is what God has designed for us to become equipped, to be able to go out beyond these four walls. Remember, this isn't the church. You're the church. We're the church. The church is the training ground to equip us to carry on Jesus' ministry. And this involves serving one another in love. It involves serving one another in love. Serving. Just think about one of the last things that Jesus did before he went to the cross. Something that somebody shares just before they know they're going to die. It's got to be something important. It, should, it can't be something just flippant. It can't be something just immaterial. And what's one of the last things he does? Engaging his disciples. He washes their feet. And he tells them, you guys need to do this. You guys need to serve. It doesn't mean that we, every time we come together, I'm not washing your feet, and I certainly don't want you to wash mine. But what I'm saying is, he taught us the importance of valuing one another, of, of considering the other better than ourselves or, or, or putting their needs first. The church is an organization that's supposed to serve, not be served. Okay, well, you know, we're always doing for other people. Yeah, well, so did Jesus. We're, we, he didn't set the church up for the church to take and take and take? If you think, if the church is the vehicle of resources from heaven into the earth, then there's got to be a flow. And it's got to be through you and through me, amen? amen. Now, now, the thing is that we get to enjoy the resources that come from heaven. We use our faith. We believe God for a promise of what he said that, that's there, but it needs to come here, on earth as it is in heaven. So we're supposed to take heaven and bring it to earth. 
And so, of course, we're going to be the conduit that's always putting out and always putting Somebody said to me recently, my God, I've never seen a church that does so much with the community. Well, what are we supposed to be doing? Sitting here waiting for them to bring to us? If we are the conduit, if we are the vehicle, if we are the pipeline of blessings from heaven to earth, how is it going to come? This is you and I are supposed to be like this. Just, just what else, Lord? What else, Lord? What else do you want to bring? Where do you want to bring it? Where do you want to put it? Where do you want to deposit it? It's the way it's supposed to be. It involves serving one another in love and then reach, listen, listen to this part, and then reaching the world with the same love that we have shown one another. We can't have, we can't have a different love for people outside the church. We can't have a different love for people that haven't experienced Jesus yet than we have for one another. He said, the identifying mark of who you belong to is going to be the quality of love that you have for one another. Are you listening to me? It's a love that comforts. It's a love that heals. But it's also a love that tells the truth about Jesus. And that's another thing that needs to get get addressed. There's so many people that claim to be Christians, and yet they're presenting a distorted Jesus to this world. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And yes, he loves us. He's forgiven us. His grace is here for us. But that grace is not here for us to just live any way we want once we've partaken of that initial deposit of grace at salvation. And we need to tell the truth to people. I, you know, I remember having a conversation with an individual. I said, listen, uh, I love you. I know that Jesus loves you. How do I know Jesus loves you? Because he died on the cross for you, just like he died on the cross for me. But if you continue in this lifestyle, it's going to destroy you. If you continue partaking of this type of sin, it's going to kill you. So we've got to love people enough to tell them the truth. But, but don't bang them over the head with it. We speak the truth in love according to the scriptures. And it's our responsibility that when we present Jesus, we present him in a very loving, caring way. But we've got to make sure that we're presenting the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of somebody's imagination. And you know, I love it. And of course, nobody in here would ever do anything like this. But I love when people say, you know what, the Bible says this and that. But you know, the way I see it, oh, Jesus, help us. Because unless the way you see it lines up with the word of God, the way you see it doesn't matter. The truth is that he is the only way to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came the first time to pay for our sins, to love the unlovely. But the truth is he's coming a second time to judge the world and to judge those who have rejected him. And if we don't let people know, you imagine, you imagine Noah's message. Hey, 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 hey guys, hey guys, Maybe you might want to come in because I, I, I think it might get a little dangerous now. I think it might, it, it looks like they're calling for drizzle this afternoon. Why don't you guys like come in? Why don't you come up, you know, I'll make you a latte. Or I'll make you. He knew what was coming. When we know what's coming, love should prompt us to tell people in a loving way, not a condemning way, 
but to tell people the truth. You must be born again. You must receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Because day's going to come. You're going to stand before God in eternity. And it's not going to be about how many good deeds you did. It's not going to be about how much money you gave to the poor. It's not going to be about how many little old ladies you walked across the street. It's not going to be about uh, how many groceries you went and bought for somebody. Those are good things. But those things don't get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is your faith in Jesus Christ and the fact that he died on the cross in your place and God raised him from the dead so that you could experience everlasting life. He's the only way. Love says, get in the ark right now. We are the church, and we are about Jesus. Uh, one, of the, one of the gentlemen in our church posted something the other day on Facebook, and it was so good I had to include it in this message this weekend. The church is made up of all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, salvation from the consequences of sin. Together, I'll add this in, the church carries out God's ministry and mission here on earth. God's church is worldwide, but it's broken down into smaller groups that take the form of the local church. So its members can function more effectively and support one another on a more personal level. So we have individual congregations with individual personalities. Each church member has a distinct function within the church, but, if, but we function as a whole. We need each other in order to be complete. The Apostle Paul put it this way, Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Verse 11, my personal favorite. <laughs> Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. How? Enthusiastically. Now, welcome to church today. Step right this way or a children's teacher. Good morning, children. I am so happy that you are here today. What time is it? Okay. Serve the Lord enthusiastically, knowing that you're serving the creator of the universe, knowing that your service is going to affect somebody else's life and possibly family. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul states that we are like individual parts of a body. Each body part is extremely vital to the overall function of the body, when one part is out of joint, the rest of the body suffers. I have been under care, chiropractic care, probably at least 40 years of my life. You may have your opinions. I have mine. I believe in it. I believe in the function. If you have ever been under chiropractic care, the basic fundamental 
concept is that life flows through us. We know where it comes from. I'm talking about physical life. But if at any point there's something out of alignment, alignment, say that word with me, alignment, then something gets blocked. When something gets blocked, whether it's from a pinched nerve or something else or whatever it is, life cannot flow to whatever organ or whatever part of the body it's supposed to go to. And so then the body cannot function in the fullness of which it was created because something, we're talking about physical now, something is blocking There could be a limitation. The rest of the body can be fine, but all of a sudden this arm is not functioning right because something is blocking. You listening? What a great illustration for the body of Christ. Because when, 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 when someone is out of alignment, there can't be a flow. There are limitations. There is a dysfunction that takes place. So in order for that to be, that flow in the natural body, there has to be a realignment, okay? And sometimes it's like crack, crack, crack. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. And for a temporary second, it might seem uncomfortable, but then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is moving again. I can breathe again. The headache is gone, whatever it is. The same thing happens in the body of Christ. When one member or another gets out of alignment, the whole body gets affected. And it, listen, it should be that way. There's nothing worse when, when and we ignore it, there's nothing worse when we know that there's a member, there's someone a family, an individual, who for whatever reason is out of alignment. There shouldn't be ignoring. There shouldn't be a leave them. No, no, no. We're part of the body. And if that one particular part of the body needs attention at that point in their lives, in their season of the church, we should all be paying attention to that. Remember the early church, they prayed together. Watch. They hurt together. They rejoice together. It is vital to the plan of God that every believer get in alignment. Like Paul said, use your gifts, step out in faith, then the world will see Jesus in manifestation through the church. And ultimately, ultimately, we as believers have been given a specific command. Jesus, when asked which is the greatest commandment, said, you would love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater vehicle on earth to fulfill that command than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where we come together and we love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and then we love our neighbor as ourselves and then take it from here. Because if you remember another occasion when Jesus was asked about this question, the question was posed then, well, who's my neighbor? And he told the story. And it didn't fit what they wanted to hear about taking the love of God outside of the normal circles. And that's your job and my job. There's no greater vehicle for filling that command 
and the church. We love God with our worship, our giving, our service. We love our neighbors, believers, and non-believers alike with non-judgmental love because you were there once too, with acts of service done in love, with truth spoken in love, not a watered-down gospel, but truth-based love. Remember, we are by nature a serving organization. There's no church without service to one another and to the lost. Remember what we shouted out earlier, I'm here to serve, not to be served. Church, get into alignment with God's plan. Stop hanging on the fringes. Get right in the middle of church life. Take your place. If you're a newcomer, then then get in the next move class. Find out how you can begin making a positive difference in somebody's life. Get involved in a connect group. Don't waste your time. Life goes by like this. Don't say, well, when my, when my schedule frees up, when my, your schedule's never going to free up unless you're intentional about it. There's always going to be something that's going to take up your time. Take some action today. Take action today. Go talk to one of the ushers. Go talk to one of the teachers. Go talk to one of the greeters. Get on a team and start being the church instead of just coming to church. Start making a difference. Amen? Amen. Be a blessing. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.